Hello and welcome to AI Unfiltered with me, Ian Bowie, and our resident expert, Mikael Stormbom, where we will be talking about everything to do with AI in our modern digital society and what the future holds for all of us. Today, we're going to be talking about social media and manipulation. Uh, so the first question I've got for you, Mikhail, is, is social media a force for good or the ultimate lobbying machine? That is a good question. And I don't know if there's a definitive answer to that one. I mean, social media is a tool, right? And a tool can be used for both good and for bad. Uh, that said, of course, social media is controlled by a handful of, of multinational uh, companies. And of course, they have a profit motive more so than uh, anything else. So maybe, le let's just say that maybe being a force for good is perhaps not their raison d'etre. Let's put it like that. Right. So um, we know that they track us. And obviously, I think that's where AI plays its part. But what exactly is social media tracking? Indeed, I mean, there are various forms of tracking is all these companies, commercial entities that use social media for for marketing and for having an online presence. Uh, so there's, of course, tracking involved there as well. For example, if you make a if you make a post and then tracking how how far a reach that post uh, gets. Uh, so I mean that uh, it gives you sort of analytics for, for example, what what topic in particular or what product in particular, or what service in particular is uh, of uh, is so, more popular so, than so others. So in in that in that sense, tracking tracking of uh, tracking of your reach really. So is it is it actually social media companies? that are tracking us? Or is it other companies, third party companies that are using social media as a platform? Uh, both, because of course, the social media need to be able to track in, in order to, to have data to sell, let's put it like that. So I mean, that's a big part of Facebook, for example, that's sort of Facebook for companies selling, selling Facebook as a as a platform, it's a, a marketing tool in essence, to reaching an audience of however many it is at this point, 2 billion, 3 billion. Yeah, I can't remember what the exact figures are. Quite a lot anyway. Yeah. Um, so they're collecting all this data. And I think probably one of the big questions that a lot of people will have is how and where is the data stored and how secure is it? Uh, well, it's stored in uh, various data warehouses uh, across the globe. And uh, I would say probably, probably those specific physical locations where they are, they are probably fairly safe. I mean, the data is encrypted and so forth. So that's that's not, I think, the main privacy concern in that sense. Uh, I think the the way the data leaks is usually through like third party apps. So for example, if you have installed some app and you have it connected to, to your Facebook account, then data, your personal data can leak through there, even though, even though it's technically sort of not okay for a third party app provider to use your data in in a manner not sort of prescribed in whatever terms of service that you do scroll through there. Uh, but nevertheless, that that's, I think, the primary way that your personal data is, is leaked. And I mean, that's what happened, for example, in this Cambridge Analytica mm -hmm. uh, scandal some year, years back. So it's not that anyone there broke into Facebook servers or anything of the sort, but rather people had installed these third party apps and then through those apps, their data leaked. Okay. So 
Do you think people are actually aware of how much information they're giving away via social media platforms? I don't think so. I mean, I think certainly people are aware to some extent that that their data is there, right, in, in, on some level. But uh, I think they would probably be surprised by the sheer amount of data that's being collected on you. Uh, it, well, there was an estimate that in, in 2020, like every single person on the planet for every second generates about 1.7 megabyte of data. Every person on the planet, every second. What about the three and consider, considering that not everyone has access to the internet? Uh, well, in the this first is what <laughs> I was going to say because I mean, what about the three billion or so people who actually don't have access to um, the internet at no, all? It, no, indeed. So it, it is an average. So obviously, it's a, a lot more on those of us who so are actually those of us who are actually connected. Indeed. We're actually giving a hell of a lot away. Oh yes. Should we we be worried about this? Matter of perspective, I would say, probably on a personal level, I would a little bit ap apprehensive about the amount of like information I'm... Oh, I mean, we talk know. about um, one of the latest things is identity theft. I think that is a very big, big concern, certainly, and especially if we lead our entire lives online, having your identity taken away from you or stolen. I mean, that's in some ways that's sort of taking the entirety of your existence in a way. I mean, there there yeah. are, I mean, yeah. documented examples. I mean, in the UK, for example, um, criminals have stolen people's identity in order to sell the houses that they live in. Yeah, indeed. Um, so it is happening. Very much so, and uh, that, that is definitely uh, a big concern. So do you think there should be more controls placed on social media companies or any company that's collecting this information? Well, I mean, I mean certainly. I mean, with, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And uh, I mean, especially those larger companies like Facebook and Google, uh, uh, I mean, the sheer amount of data that is being collected. And uh, I think you need to have controls in place for that data being used responsibly. And first and additionally, that people are giving their explicit consent to having their data collected in that manner, which is not always the case. I mean, of course, we have some phrase into that direction with GDPR and so forth and but then again are people going to read through a five-page uh, well that was going to be my, and, uh, my next question or comment rather is that of all the people that are listening to us talking right now um have any of them read more than two lines of the whole of the gdpr ever um Gonna guess that it's gonna be a fairly small minority. Of I'm gonna guess that it's zero, but I might be wrong. I'm gonna guess it's greater than zero, but uh, probably less than ten. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but do, or, I mean, of course, is that a contract that we have to accept? I mean, these companies provide a service to us. I mean, Google um, provides a enormous information service. Um, all right, Facebook. Um, perhaps an entertainment service or a way of connecting with different people. Um, should we just accept this is the contract? They collect our data, but they provide something that we want. Well, I mean, that's in principle what GDPR is about, right? The, so that you give your explicit consent to exactly what data you are uh, giving up. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly not disallowed to collect data. It's more that you need you should be have the opportunity to give explicit consent to that. Uh, but of course, if uh, if it becomes a de facto requirement in order to be on this platform where everyone else is, uh, then you're 
you don't have much of a choice really if you really want if you want well, to it, engage is, with isn't it isn't it already a de facto requirement i would say so basically indeed yeah i mean I, i've actually never tested that um if you click no to the gdpr what happens next you can't access the website or that depends the depends on the website i would say yeah. but, but i think in many cases yes that uh that uh, well, then it's simply not. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, a lot of when you do get those uh, those notifications about accepting the, I mean, a lot about about it is about personalization and mm. providing you personalized content. Well, in practice, then advertising. Yeah. So if we move on a little bit, um, there's been a lot written about how social media, for example has been used to manipulate voting habits, for example, in the United States, um, also about Brexit some years ago. So how can we spot fake news and know when we're being manipulated? I think in addition to to sort of being subjected to fake news, I think another another aspect of social media is also what is not shown to you, so what it filters. So that, so that I mean, there's definitely this risk that you end up in this sort of echo chamber where only information that you agree with or is displayed to you so so i think that is also a a rather big concern so not just being subjected to fake news but the, also the the absence of being exposed to news that you may not necessarily agree with but in but in terms of spotting fake news i think i don't see much else other than that people need to learn critical thinking and not accept at face value what is shown to them. Do, I think do, it's do you more not of think, a, though, that people are too lazy to be critical? Do, do you perhaps think that I they, think they so. get the news they deserve? Uh, well, in a manner of speaking, yes. Mm. And uh, I mean, that's I mean, coming back to the social media tracking, so that's what news organizations and those online news organizations, they, they see what articles bring them clicks and uh, advertising exposure really and uh, so then we get all those listicles and top 10 this and top 10 so that. Is, is this the reason why um news headlines have have become more and more sensationalist over the years i would certainly say that that's definitely driving that because it's all about getting those clicks yeah. as opposed to reporting yeah. news because i mean you know you, the, the adjectives um that, that you see in news headlines these days are stronger and stronger and stronger um you know from mildly irritated we now have outraged um, yeah indeed and i think there's been some research in that, that also people respond more to to negative negative news and to fear well i mean i think i think we have a we are we're sort of we're, we're living in a perfect example at the moment aren't we yes that's right no that's uh, that's very true i think the well for example the reporting now on the omicron strain that just uh, that just appeared some months we are in december as we're recording this so i i think the initial hysteria and there was no particular reason to to be all that hysterical about it because we didn't really have the data yet so like uh, some patients and waiting obviously waiting with caution but nevertheless there's no no particular need for initial panic until we have more information on the on the matter right so but yeah, I think we are we are just there's some, something instinctual that we need we have the need to be afraid in a way. 
I think pro probably in nature it is served as well to be <laughs> afraid I, I, uh, I constantly it, to protect it's ourselves. It's in the but, DNA, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there comes a stage where suddenly um, you've got to be willing to stand and fight as well. Um, you can't run forever. No, indeed. Uh, the the fight or flight response really doesn't serve us very well in no. in this society. No, it does not. No. So, going back to manipulation. Yes. Now that governments and organisations and businesses understand the power of the internet and particularly social media to mould opinion and spread disinformation, do you think actually it's just going to get worse? That everybody's going to be at it. I do think it will get worse before it gets better. Uh, let's put it like that. I think they they've done some research that in that this sort of attempted manipulation through social media is pretty much in well all around the world. It's a it's become a whole industry of its own. That sort of manipulation manipulation for political purposes for and uh, a lot of political parties engaging in that sort of like media uh, manipulation. I suppose if if everyone does it, maybe we will become more aware of it or more uh, co accustomed to it or more numb to it in a way if we, we're sort of constantly bombarded with, with it so it might have that impact as well but uh, certainly I do think it's a it's a big big concern I mean we, we supposedly already live in this post-truth society so what uh, what will that mean then if no facts are real do, do you think it's actually just going to make us more stupid are, are we are we go, are we going to end up with a society actually where people just stop thinking and are quite happy to be controlled i think we have a very uh, good example i, I think in, in practice yes i mean especially if we don't if we refuse to believe what we don't agree with first of all that that makes us stupid i mean it uh, limits our intellectual curiosity and well i think the other other thing is that we are constantly bombarded with information to the point where we become numb to it or just this co cognitive overload yeah. so I, I think that I, I think in that sense certainly it will make us less smart so if we think about the future is there an alternative for example to social media in the future and what might it be if there is carrier pigeons uh, no but uh, so do we need to go backwards do we do we need to actually start disassembling and re-engineering the whole internet? Maybe not the whole internet, and I mean even even social media. In its, in a sense, it's not a new thing. I mean we've been sending emails for for decades now and uh, so forth. I, I still remember a time in the nineties being amazed about sending an email and getting across half the world in in an instant. So I and. Certainly, there were other ways of interacting over. Online. I still remember yeah. writing letters, putting them in envelopes, and going to the post office to buy the stamps, and then putting it in a postbox, and waiting for several weeks for a reply. Not quite as instantaneous as email, but Absolutely sure. Absolutely <laughs> not. No, but I, I sometimes wonder if there was more value in that communication than there is in the thousands of emails that go backwards and forwards on a daily basis. No, that's true, and I mean, of course, we live in this sort of instant gratification society as well. We have we have lost the the ability to be patient about about much of anything. Yeah. Uh, as well, so I mean, that, that's certainly a fair point. But I agree. It, yeah. Yeah, but in terms of, I do think there needs to be more control over these social media uh, companies, 
and uh, what control how do what those con what form well, is, those it, is it is it not possible for people to self-police well i mean certainly certainly there is i mean n you don't need to be on facebook uh, but uh, as we just discussed if it if everyone you know is there and then you need to accept the terms for being there then there is this sort of like de facto requirement mm. so i think that makes the threshold for not participating possibly higher but it's, it's certainly something that is going to be a hot topic between now and the next several years into the future i think i, w I would definitely uh, say so. We, we, we've had quite a lot of questions, um, quite a few answers. I think what we've also um, possibly discovered from, from, from this particular episode is that there is still a huge amount of work to be done. Um, there's a lot of thinking to be done with regard to social media and manipulation. Uh, we certainly aren't going to answer all of those um, problems and come up with the solutions today, um, but I think we've, we've pretty much covered our 20 minutes. Yeah, I think we have to continue this discussion in a future episode. And it just remains for me and also Mikael to say thank you for listening and goodbye until next time. <laughs> <laughs>